there are um, always silly things that happen in our worship services, in any of the services on a, on a Sunday morning. Most of you are well aware of this. A silly thing that happened last week you guys didn't get to be a part of, so I want to grandfather you in. A debate broke out. It started in the second service, carried into the third service, um, because I was getting mocked. Um, I know that's not out of the ordinary. Um, and it started in the, in the second service because that's led by the praise band. And some of you know, um, my wife Tony sings, my son Ryan plays, so they're behind me back here where the peanut gallery is now. And um, that's dangerous. But anyway, what happened was I made a reference to the color of the lemonade. Remember last week I was talking because Jenny had changed the colors and we had mixed match um, drinks up here. But I made a, a reference. And so it started kind of as a joke. We started taking a survey, but I want to include you in on this. Um, the color of the lemonade. How many of you would say this is green? Really? <laughs> You all think this is yellow? You're all that blind? Really? All right. Forget it. Never mind. We're going to end it right there. It's a green. That's a shade of green. Yes, it is. No, no, no. There's, there's, very, there's very few times I ever play the pastor card, but my spiritual insight tells me <laughs> that that is green. Man almighty. All right. Now, you guys just blew me right out of the water. You know that? Tony won't be here this morning because she's with Cassie, um, and I'm glad y'all can't even tell her about that. So, um, well, that's kind of a good lead-in to um, Murphy's Law. I didn't plan it to be that good a lead-in, but Murphy's Law. Anybody not familiar with Murphy's Law? What, you know, what are, what are, what are, what are some of your favorite Murphy's Laws? That's the famous Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's, that's the, that's the famous, I, I was looking at some of the other ones, some that you, that you may um, have heard. Um, I've heard if anything can go wrong, whichever thing causes the most damage is going to go wrong. You know, it's that, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, Smile, tomorrow will be worse. Um, that's one of, of Murphy's Law. Um, the only thing more accurate than incoming enemy fire is incoming friendly fire. Um, all's well that ends. Y'all jumped. All's well that ends. Um, any instrument when dropped will roll into the least accessible corner. Um, the chance of bread falling down with, but, with a butter side down is directly proportional to the cost of the carpet. <laughs> and then my favorite, the buddy system is essential for your survival. It gives the enemy somebody else to shoot at. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of Murphy's Laws. Murphy's Laws are the laws of, of pessimism. But I also think they're the laws of, of a discouraged heart. You know, we, we laugh at them, but, but I mean, how many times have you thought, thought, found yourself kind of thinking that? Man, if it can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. 
You know, it's just everything's rolling. The brakes aren't going my way. I mean, the reality is I think for most of us, I really actually think for all of us, we have moments in our life when we feel that, that pessimism, that discouragement, when life has just kind of smacked us around a little bit and, and we kind of feel beaten up. And it is in those moments that we need a Barnabas. We need an encourager. Somebody that is going to, to pick us up and is going to counter that pessimism that we feel is going to challenge us to, to see things a little different about ourselves and is going to see us in a way that, that blesses us. It's an encourager. Barnabas is introduced in Acts chapter 4, and his name is Joseph. And it's interesting, if you go back and read that, it says that the apostles called him Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. I think that's a fascinating thing. His name was Joseph, and the apostles said, nope, you're not a Joseph. You're a son of encouragement. You're a Barnabas. That's pretty cool. We all get nicknames from time to time, but that's one I'll take. Son of encouragement, because we sometimes find ourselves needing that. And so we talk about the conversations on the porch today. We continue this, and we talk about the person who sits in that chair, and sometimes that person needs to be for you and for me a son or a daughter of encouragement. You need, you need a Barnabas. You need a few Barnabases in your life. And they come in a lot of different shapes, and, and they come in a lot of different sizes. Let's, um, let's look at our scripture this morning, Acts chapter 15. Barnabas pops up through the first half of, of Acts. And as I said, he's introduced in Acts chapter 4. He shows up in Acts 9 and, and Acts 11 and, and 15. And, and about 16 is where he kind of exits um, stage left. But... Barnabas became the, the missionary partner of, of Paul. We're going to talk about this in a minute. It kind of brought Paul along. But this is kind of where they, they part ways. Verse 36, Acts chapter 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and to see how they, were, they are doing. Just to kind of set the stage, Paul and Barnabas had been moving around the Gentile communities, the new communities of faith, as the, as the faith in Jesus and the Christian faith began to spread out of um, Israel, out of Jerusalem, out into these, these um, pagan communities. And so Paul and, and Barnabas had been instrumental in that. So that's what he's saying. Let's go back. Let's check up on those communities. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. It had gotten too hard, and he'd left. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 
May God bless this, our reading of his word. And as I say each week, brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would have a Barnabas, that we would be a Barnabas. Lord, challenge us in these moments um, by your word and by the example of the, the men and women who have gone before us that we would grow in our faith and in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you think about a hand, I think it kind of gives us a good reference point for, for Barnabas. And, and I, I reference back to the very first sermon in the series. If you were here four weeks ago when we talked and opened with Nathan and, and talked about having somebody in our life that holds us accountable. And if you think about a Nathan in, in, in thinking through our hand, a Nathan, an accountability a voice of accountability in our lives, I think is, is like a fist. Not a fist to do harm, but a, but a fist that, that pounds, that, that reminds us of who we are, reminds us of the choices that we make and, and holds us accountable for those choices and, and you know, kind of comes at us with, with like, like Nathan did with David, you know, you are that man. You need to be held accountable. Nathan's can be, can be a fist, a necessary fist in our lives, but not always a, a welcomed fist. You know, not always something we want to hear, but something that we need to hear. But if Nathan is a fist, then, then Barnabas is a palm. But a palm that is meant to, to pat you on the back. A palm that is meant... To, to encourage you. You know, that, that hand that comes behind you to, to support and strengthen and says that I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. I mean, you ever, you ever had that experience in a place of need or a place of hurt where you've just felt the assurance of a hand on your back? Isn't that amazing how just a simple touch can be so significant and so powerful? And I, I can remember a lot of times in my life where I just felt the touch of somebody in, in a place of, of hurt and, and sorrow in my life. And, and words weren't necessary, but a touch was powerful. Well, that's what a Barnabas does. They're, they're that palm that, that comes alongside, uh, that, that encourages us. That's what Barnabas was for John Mark. John Mark, this young believer who had been invited into these missionary journeys with, with Paul and Barnabas, had been invited to be a part of the work that was God was doing in these churches in the Gentile communities of around the Mediterranean. Um, for whatever reason, he, he cut bait. He bailed. We don't really know why, but, but the, whether the work got too hard, um, it was too, who knows? We could speculate all day, but he abandoned the ministry. And he went home. And so later, after Paul and Silas have been, I mean, Paul and Barnabas have been in Antioch, and they're beginning to plan their journeys again to go back, Barnabas, and, and John Mark was his cousin, wants to give him another chance. And Paul wants no part of it. 
Paul is, is kind of the fist. He says, no, no. But, but Barnabas is the palm that says, yeah, let's, let's give him another chance. Let's, let's, let's trust that he'll do better this time. And it is so divisive that they end up splitting and going their separate ways. This is the end of, of their partnership in ministry. Paul and Silas go one way and, and Barnabas and John Mark go another. But that gives us such a powerful insight into who a, a Barnabas is and, and, and what Barnabas was all about. Barnabas saw the best in John Mark. Barnabas was that one that said, no, he's got more potential, Paul, than you're seeing. No, we're not going to hold this against him. No, we're not going to derail his entire life because of this mistake. Barnabas sees in John Mark more than Paul does. And, and Paul's not infallible. In fact, we're going to talk about it at the end. But Paul doesn't see that potential, but, John, but, but Barnabas does. That's who a Barnabas is in your life and in my life. It's that person that sees the best in you. That, that sees the best in you and believes in you even when you don't necessarily believe in yourself. And we need those kind of people. And I think the key for a Barnabas is the reach. The characteristic of a Barnabas is the way that he or she reaches. And, and this is what I mean, and, and this is how we see this in the Scriptures in the Barnabas of Acts. First of all, a Barnabas is the person that is going to reach down. The person who is going to reach down and pick us up when life has forced us into the figurative fetal position. Have you ever just had those moments? I think you probably have. When you just want to curl up, you're just, you're, you're, you're done. You're done. You've had enough. You're over it. You're not doing it anymore. And you just want to close the world out. Well, see, Barnabas did this, and, and we talk about John Mark, but, but see, this is what is so significant about Barnabas, and I think this is one of the errors that Paul makes here. Barnabas did that for Paul. When, when we go back, if you go back and you, you read Acts chapter 9, it's the conversion of Paul. That's Paul on the Damascus Road. That's Paul blinded by the light, and, the, the, and he hears the voice of Jesus, and, and he has his life transformed from somebody who is pass, passionately persecuting the church to somebody who becomes a follower of Jesus. And if you know the story, you know that when, he, when God restores his sight, he goes to meet up with the other disciples. And he did not get a warm reception. They wanted no part of him. This is the guy that had been trying to kill them. And they don't want him in their midst. They don't trust him. They don't believe in him. And they push him away. Now, I want you to just pause for a moment and think about where Paul's life must have been in those moments. Because I think we gloss over it. Paul had been firmly convinced of his righteousness, of, of, of the righteousness of what he was doing. He believed that this movement of Christianity was heretical. He believed it was a threat to the faith. He believed it needed to be stamped out. And he believed he was doing the will of God in persecuting the church. And just like that, his world gets flipped upside down. And he finds out that the one he is persecuting is God himself. He finds out that he was wrong. Now, now, I want you to think about the things that you hold dearest, the, the values and the beliefs that, that are the most sacred in your life, and imagine if all of a sudden that got flipped upside down. It had to shake Paul. 
I mean, no matter how, how committed, it had to shake him to his very core. And then on top of that, when he finally tries to meet up, meet up with these people who are called to follow Jesus, when he tries to kind of get connected with them so that he can begin to learn what it means to be a disciple, they don't want any part of him. I mean, I think there had to be a moment in there when, when Paul's thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I, none of this makes sense. And had to be a very confusing time. Had to be a very discouraging time for Paul. And that's exactly when Barnabas steps in. That's exactly when the son of encouragement shows up. And he receives Paul. He welcomes Paul. He believes in Paul. See, this is what Barnabas does. Barnabas sees in Paul what nobody else does. And he brings him into the fellowship of the disciples. And he invites them into that inner circle. And changes the trajectory of the, of the church and the movement of Jesus because Barnabas sees the best in us. And that's what he did for Paul. And that's what he does for John Mark. They're the people that are going to pick you up in those moments. They're the ones that you want to see. I mean, here's the thing, man. When you're at your lowest point, when, when life has, been, has just dealt you the worst of blows, who are the, the ones that you want knocking at your door? Who do you hope to see? That's your Barnabas. That's your son or daughter of encouragement. That's who he was at his core. And we need those people that will reach down for us because we're going to have those moments. I just, I, again, that's not a pessimistic view of life, but life is a journey, you know, it's, it's this. We know that. And, and we have those moments. And, and who is that Barnabas? And Barnabas reaches down. The other thing, though, Barnabas does is Barnabas reaches out. And, and this is, understand that these, a Barnabas can be a few people in our lives. It doesn't have to be always the same person. And what I mean by reaching out is there are times that we just need a little encouragement in the journey. I'm not talking about the moments when we're just kind of laid low. I'm talking about just the times when our steps get heavy. You know, you just don't want to face another day. You find yourself thinking, gosh, this is just hard, and I'm just not in a happy place right now. And, and here's what a Barnabas does. Barnabas pat you on the back. Not only do they lift you up, they pat you on the back. They kind of keep you going. They, they encourage you to take the next step. Acts chapter 11 as the church in Antioch begins to grow, this new Gentile church, these new believers who don't know the first thing about what it means to follow Jesus and are trying to figure it out, and the church in Jerusalem decides, you know what, we need, we need to help them. We need to bless them. We need to be a part of what God's doing. And so they think, well, we need to send somebody to them to encourage them in this journey when it gets a little hard. And who do they choose? Barnabas. Who better? The son of encouragement. It says in Acts chapter 11 that when he saw what God was doing, he rejoiced and he encouraged them. He encouraged them. We need people in our life sometimes to just kind of cheer us along when, when, when the steps get harder. Uh, right now in Tampa, yeah, actually right now, my brother is there running the Gasparilla Half Marathon. Uh, he and his wife came up yesterday, and, and it's my sister-in-law, Tina, who is also a runner, but I don't think she's running in this race. Let me tell you what I guarantee Tina is doing right now. Tina's on the race course, and she's there to support 
Brian, my brother. She's there to support her husband. She's probably got a sign. She's probably got a, a cowbell. She's going to cheer him when he comes by. But this is what I guarantee you Tina's going to do, because I've stood with her at these races. She's going to cheer for every runner that comes by. She's going to look for their names, and she's going to call their names out as they come. She's going to identify them by their shirts. She's going ident- to find something that they know is specific about them, and when they come by, she's going to cheer them on. Way to go, orange shirt. Keep going. Looking strong, neon sneakers. Keep going. She's going to find something if she doesn't know their name because that's who she is. She, she's the voice you hear when I have run races with, with my brother. When I say I've run races with my brother, that means I say hello to him at the start and he waits for me at the finish. Um, that's the way it goes. But Tina will be out there and I will hear her voice because she will cheer you on. She's an encourager. I mean, she was a cheerleader at Wake Forest. She's, this is nature for her. It's the way she was made. But she's an encourager. And she wants to encourage everybody who goes by. Well, you know, if you've ever run those kind of races, the steps get hard sometimes, man. You don't, just don't know how you're going to finish. And, you know, depending on your level of fitness, for me, that step is usually about the 10th one in. Um, <laughs> but you need encouragers. You need people that are going to come alongside you. I, one of the things I loved about kind of participating in those races is the people who are in the race will come up behind you. And a lot of people would come up behind me. But they'll pat you on the back. Keep going. Keep going. You're looking good. Getting there. And they're lying to you because I look like death. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? That's what an encourager does. That's what, and, and see, here's the thing. They don't always have to be deep relationships. They don't always have to be the closest people in your life. But they're the people that God will use to just encourage and lighten your step a little bit. And this is where you can all be Barnabases. You can look for things in other people to encourage and compliment and be kind. And, and that's what a Barnabas does. I, I keep a file, I think I've told you before, because there's a lot of you that are Barnabases for me. In, in my life, in ministry, and there are days when ministry can be very discouraging. And I have a file in, in the file cabinet in my desk that's called personal notes. But it might as well be you know, encouragement is what I could call it. And there are things some of you and people over the years have sent to me and notes that they have written to me to thank me and, and have blessed my life with their words. And I'll pull those out sometimes and read them because it, in, it helps me take the next step when the steps are a little harder. It's the pat on the back. And that's not meant to, to puff us up. That's not meant to inflate our egos. That's meant to remind us there's a lot of good things in us that God does in us. And helps us again see the best of who we are. And we need people that do that. So a Barnabas reaches down. A Barnabas reaches out. But here's the most important thing. Barnabas reaches up. Barnabas was a man of faith. And he prayed for the church. And he celebrated God's work. And he was connected through Jesus with his heavenly father. A Barnabas is going to be um, bolstering you with prayer. Always. It's going to be that person that you know has got you on their heart. And again, this may not be people you even know that well, but they know who you are, and they pray for you because they're connected with their Heavenly Father. Barnabas, Acts chapter 11, said he was a good man. Okay, And that's good in the sense of our faith. He was a righteous man, and he was connected with God, and he prayed and and was passionate about connecting others with God. 
And so a Barnabas reaches down, a Barnabas reaches out, and a Barnabas reaches up on our behalf. And we need those people in our life. This is why church does matter. One of the things that makes church so important, because I know there's a lot of things that people, and sometimes we're critical of about the church and, and the things that we don't do so well. But I will tell you, I've never seen a greater gathering of people who have a Barnabas heart than I experience in the church. People who encourage one another, pray for one another, lift one another up. Not all of us, not all the time, we're not perfect. But it's the fellowship, being a part of the connected body of Christ, that we can be that for one another. And that really matters, to reach down, to reach out, to reach up. That's what a Barnabas does. And, and, and here's the last thing. Barnabas sticks it out. Barnabas is going to stick it out with you. Those people in your life, that they're, they're going to see the best in you and they're not going to give up on you. And they're going to continue to encourage you and continue to pray for you and continue to pat you on the back until either you completely shut them out or they help you see what they see in you. Barnabas can't force it on you. But they're going to stick with you as long as you let them stick with you. And God can do tremendous things through a Barnabas. What is interesting about John Mark is the full circle. Barnabas didn't give up on him. And here's a fascinating thing. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, this letter that Paul writes at the end of his life, as he's preparing, as I've referenced, for the end of his race and his fight is coming to an end, I want you to hear what Paul writes to Timothy. He says in verse 9, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. Then in verse 11, he says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Get Mark. Yeah, that Mark. Yeah, that one who I didn't think was a whole lot of good. But Barnabas helped Paul see something in John Mark. Oh, and by the way, there's a gospel written in his name or by him as well. Or attributed to him, I should say. Barnabas sticks it out. They see the best. Barnabas saw the best in John Mark. And John Mark lived up to that. John Mark would come to see the best in himself and he would be a world changer for Jesus. You need people in your life that see the best in you. That see the best in you. That pat you on the back. Keep you going. And as we've said each week, I pray also, you can be that person for others. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks for those sons and daughters of encouragement in our lives, those who, who are there for us, not with a fist but with a palm, to pick us up, to reach out, to reach up. As we seek them in our lives, as we celebrate them in our lives, also challenge us to be that for others. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.